Well, welcome to Outpost Church, February 11th, 2024. Amen. Um, yesterday was a good day. Uh, yesterday, this church stepped into the second part of what we're called to do around here. Our calling as a local church is, is twofold, and... Um, it's one to to um, help uh, believers become disciples, to train to train us all up in the Word of God, and and then but the the second part is is bringing in people that don't know Jesus, turning unbelievers into converts, and then we take converts and turn them into disciples. So this church, um, yeah, we have, we have two purposes, getting people saved and getting them grown up on the Word of God. And so yesterday, uh, we, 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 we did that. We just started with, a, with an outreach to, to the city. Uh, me and C and Brother Joel in the back, he showed up and helped us, and it was, it was so cool. Um, We didn't have it on the website. We have, we have several things. I, I, I didn't send it to you. I was busy. I didn't get it to you, so that's on me. But we, um, yeah, we have, we, we have some vision points we need to put on the website and, and some, some other updates, and I'll be, I'll be getting those to you. Um, but uh, it just felt so good. It was like a refreshing uh, to me, to to just get my feet on the ground out here and go talk to people that don't go to church anywhere, um, <clears throat> it reminded me of what we did back in the days when C and I would participate in evangelism outreaches from Living Word, because a lot of people said the hardest part about evangelism is just showing up is just showing up with the group on time where we'd all rally together and then we'd go out. But there would be all kinds of things that would try to hamper or hinder our day or hinder our getting out there. And there was some hassles yesterday morning just getting everything we needed to get. And I showed up at Kinko's and I wanted to make some, some photocopies and, and then they decide they're not open until 10 o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so... We had to find another way to get this done, but this is the flyer we passed around. Annalise uh, uh, produced it for us, and uh, we're going to make it even better. No, you, I'm going to let you do it. And it was—it uh, just felt so good to to get our feet on the ground and go talk to people. We went down the road here, and there's a funeral home right on the curve. And behind the funeral home is a, a trailer park. Um, and Joel and I went to nearly every trailer in the whole park down there. And we knocked on doors, and we, we uh, talked to four people um, personally that took an invitation from us. And otherwise, we just left them, you know, we folded them up and left them inside the little door closer 
inside screen doors or maybe under under a windshield wiper or that type of thing. But, um, hey, we're not selling anything. We're just here to invite you to church. We cater to, you know, hard-working, patriotic people and want you to come. And um, So, do you want to say something about that? I know you would. So I went um, behind here all along this river. All these houses down here. All of these houses here and then just kept going that way as far as I could. And um, I handed out 30 flyers, um, actually talked with six, seven, and out of the seven, um, what did I say? Out of the seven, three said they would check us out. Um, one, like maybe two of three of them already go to a church. Um, two of them were looking for a church and one of them didn't go to a church. So it was really cool. I mean, it was really, it was really easy. They were really, people were really receptive. We just invited, I just said, hey, I'm from Outpost. Just want to invite you to church. We meet at the library and um, come join us. When there was time, I'd ask them, hey, do you go to church right now? And if they don't, I'd just say, come join us. And so, so total altogether, we handed out 60 flyers and um, contacted, physically met with 11 people. And out of those 11, we had five that said for sure they'd check us out. So we just keep doing that every weekend. Every weekend, we're going to meet at 10 here mm-hmm. and pray for 10, 15 minutes. And then we'll go and finish off. Um, you know, just We're going to have a map so we can map off where we've been. Yeah. yeah, it was really cool. I mean, it was so easy. People were very receptive. Yeah, that's that's right. And the way that we're the plan is is that we just keep doing this all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. We put the we put the invitation out there, and uh, you know, it's it's a numbers game. It's like um, you know, if, if we had. Um, well, I heard I heard one minister say, you know, he just sends outreach teams into different neighborhoods and and they 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 meet out there. They do a little mini crusade or or pray with people to get saved out there. Let's say let's say 20 people get saved and um, invite them all to church. Ten show up for church, um, and then he said, let's say let's say seven of them. What, what are we laughing about? Let's say seven of them don't stay, which would be a high attrition rate. Let's say only three stay per week. Well, after 52 weeks, that's uh, that's 150 or so people. So, so anyway, that's that's the plan, and it feels really, really good. Um, praise God. Let's start over in um, Romans chapter 12 today. I've got a few thoughts, and I 
few things to say about them. Um, Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Thank you, Lord, for your word today. Thank you for giving me utterance in the Holy Ghost to speak and to um, make things really clear. Just thank you for helping us today to have what you would want us to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't you dare let the world conform you to how they see things. And it says that you would prove what is that accept that a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That you find the will of God for your life and have proof that you're living it out. Well, how do I find the will of God? Stop being conformed to the world. If you allow the world to insert their philosophy, their psychology, their rudiments, the way they see things, their perverted and twisted doctrines, if you allow them to change your mind, they'll eventually cause a conformity and you'll start wrestling within yourself as to what is truth. And... People that drift, they, it's, it's very, very gradual, uh, slowly being conformed to the world, picking up some of their little feelings and little sayings, and then making those things the truth and the doctrine that you live by. We don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. Don't you dare let the world conform you to how they see things, that you find the will of God for your life Find the will of God for your life and have proof that you're living it out. That's what it says here. Prove what is that good and acceptable and and perfect will of God. So, if God loves it, I should love it. And if God hates it, I should hate it. Amen. Um, So, one of the ways to do that is to always be reading our Bible. We, um, Jesus said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And uh, praying, praying in the Holy Spirit, um, we, we don't live isolated lives, and we have to choose among all the thoughts and all the voices that are out there, we have to choose what we're going to yield to and what we're going to listen to and shut down and shut off things that are not not of him, not not from a godly source. So, um, and there's there's a way to do that. Um, 
your, your attention follows what you say and what you, what you speak. For example, if you start counting to yourself, you know, in your head, and then, and then I say, what's your name? You have to stop counting in order to tell me your, your name. You can't do both at the same time. So we can't flush out bad thoughts with, with good thoughts. The way we get rid of bad thoughts is by speaking. It's actually opening our mouth and speaking um, what God says. Um, so Jesus taught a little bit about this in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6 is where it, he says, you know, um, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. But a little higher up in the same chapter, <clears throat> he says um, in verse 25, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat. In verse 28, why take you thought for raiment? And then verse 31, Therefore, take no thought saying. When you, when you actually speak out what you're thinking in your head, that's called taking a thought. You, we, we, we have thoughts that go through our, our mind all the time. You can choose what you're going to speak and what you're not going to speak. Do you know anybody that any dumb thought that flies through their head comes out their mouth? just all the time. It's no, no filter. Okay, you know people like this. That's not a spiritual way to live. We don't want to be that way. We want to choose what we're going to speak. And any thought that's left unspoken will die unborn. So uh, we can speak words of faith. We can speak words of fear. Um, and, um, you know, why open the door to, to fear and worry by, by, by speaking that kind of thought that comes, comes to our mind, you know. Um, but Jesus said, take no thought by saying, what shall we eat? Verse 34, take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. This can become a, a real um, spiritual warfare, in a sense. And um, spiritual warfare, aside from just praying and taking authority over, over dark powers, it's, it's really a, a mental warfare in our mind. And Paul talks about that in Ephesians chapter 6, where he says that there's... Um, fiery darts from, from the evil one, you know. Take the shield of faith wherewith you may be able to quench all the fiery darts from the enemy. Well, those fiery darts are thoughts. The devil doesn't know what we're thinking. He's not omniscient. He doesn't, he's not, unlike God, he's not omnipresent. He can only be in one place at one time. However, he has, you know, demons that, answer to him and, and go on assignments and so forth. He's not um, 
omniscient, meaning he doesn't know everything. He's not all-knowing like God is. Okay? So he doesn't know what we're thinking. But he can observe behavior patterns and see, and just by observation, kind of see what our weaknesses are and then craft specialized fiery darts to, to throw at us. And... You know, and, and many times, you know, he'll try to make us feel guilty for having that kind of thought in our head. It wasn't even our thought. It came from the outside coming in. And um, so don't feel bad about that. We just, have to, we just have to quench it and put it down when it comes. It, it wasn't my thought. It wasn't, I didn't ask for it. Um, these... Uh, Fiery arrows, you know, they'll they'll explode upon impact, and we're just like, where where did all this come from? We can be minding our own business, doing just fine, and all of a sudden, ah, there's oppression or some something coming coming against us. And the Bible tells us what to do about that. Over in Second um, Corinthians chapter ten, go ahead and turn there. Second Corinthians chapter ten. Verses three through six. I'll just read this to us. Paul says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. These are strongholds in the mind. Okay? Um, because he says, casting down arguments, or the King James says, imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So this is a very active stance of when a thought comes to us that's not from God, um, grabbing it, casting it down and saying, no, I mean, you, you just have to say it out loud. I refuse to think that. And then replacing it with the word of God. Because, you know, I refuse to think this, you know, about, about lack or failure you see, because God's meeting all of our needs, and God's making our way straight, and we're keeping ourselves in line with Him, and uh, it's it's all it's well with us. So, that's just my introduction. That was uh, not being conformed to the world, and. choosing our thoughts, strengthening our heart. That's just introduction. What I really want to talk about today is, is spiritual hunger, developing an appetite for, for God and for the things of God. Um, Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 6, he said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, 
for they shall be filled. Matthew 5, verse 6. Um, John G. Lake, a great man of God, about a hundred years ago, he, he said this in one of his sermons on this subject. He said, oh, he had been giving a testimony about how the, that the home that he grew up in had been plagued with, and they, they had a lot of kids. He was one of many kids. And they, they, they had been plagued with sickness and death and sickness and death in his family. And he, and they were, it was, it was so horrible. Um, and then he, so he tries to get away from it. And he said he, he married a beautiful woman and they had a baby. And next thing you know, his wife is becoming incapacitated and his child is sick. And, and he was, it was so hard that he really, really pressed into God and was seeking God for an answer to, you know, why can't we just be well? Why can't we just not have this, this sickness in our, in our family constantly? And as he, was, as he was seeking God about this, he said, one thing matured in my heart, a real hunger. And the hunger of a man's soul must be satisfied. It must be satisfied. It is a law of God. That law of God is in the depth of the spirit. God will answer the heart that cries. God will answer the soul that asks. Blessed are they which do hunger. Blessed. Um, he says, brethren, begin to pray to get hungry. This is so important. If we're comfortable just sitting back and not really pressing into the things of God, you know, we can be satisfied with mediocre results. But if we really, really want God's best, it, 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 it requires a pressing in. Um, the hunger of a man's soul must be satisfied. It is a law of God, he said. Um, he, um, he said one time he'd been snowshoeing up in, up in Michigan, and, and he, he, he walked 30 miles on these snowshoes, and he, and he was, right, and he was so tired and so hungry, he finally got to his um, sister's house, and they weren't home, but he he just he, he came in the house and he, he started looking around for something to eat and found this big cornbread and so he just ate it and and uh, and then and then his sister got back and said uh, what did you John you didn't eat that corn cake did you she said no that was we we grind that up. That that was that was the corn cobs all ground up and and all these other things. It was actually I think a food for for the cattle or something. But he was hungry, you see. And so food, even if it isn't the best, tastes really good to a to a hungry soul. Um. So spiritual hunger. 
Um, I read something also by uh, by Brother Lawrence, who was a a monk in a in a monastery, but he really learned how to to um, draw close to God, even in the even in um, just the little chores and the tasks that he had to do around the monastery. But he said this. He said, I cannot imagine how religious persons can live satisfied without the presence of God. For my part, I keep myself retired with him in the depth of center of my soul as much as I can. And while I am so with him, I fear nothing but the least turning from him is insupportable. He couldn't imagine turning his back on God or ignoring God. He would just he would he would practice always being conscious of God's presence with him. If he was sweeping the floor, if he was doing the dishes, or or whatever he was doing, um, and uh, and then this is a a concept that that I want to talk about next is um, is how to get to your heart. Um, we, we've talked about the spirit man being the real man. You know, I am a spirit. I have a soul, which is my mind, will, and emotions. I live in a in a body, but down in my spirit, in my heart, that's where I connect with God. That's why we pay attention to our heart. Proverbs 4 says, guard your heart, for out of it flows the issues of life. We don't want anything obstructing the flow of, of the Spirit of God um, in us and through us. And um, down here in our heart, this is where God leads us and guides us. Peter called, called the Spirit the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, very precious in the sight of God. Isaiah called it the well of salvation. In Isaiah 12:3, it says, um, he says, The Lord has become my salvation, therefore with joy will I draw water from the wells of salvation. Wells are deep. There's deep things that God's deposited in our heart and we have to draw them out to find out what they are. Could you bring me a bottle of water, please? Thank you. Isaiah 28 um, calls this a, a refreshing for the people of God. Isaiah 28, um, 11 and 12, he describes praying in tongues and says, This is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. This is the refreshing. In Psalm 45, verse 1, David was seeking to, um, to get to his heart in writing psalms and he he said in psalm 45 1 my heart 
is indicting a good matter. I will speak of the things which I have made touching the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. He, in other words, what he was going to write, it had to be flowing out of his heart. Otherwise, it was no good. It had to be coming down, coming up from, from within him. So, and uh, this is what I'm trying to learn how to do. Um, Brother Phil Driscoll, you know, he really helped me this week. I was, he's a musician, singer, my favorite, best in the world. He, uh, he said, uh, he, 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 he actually um, is married to, um, I, I don't know, some, he must, his first wife must have passed or something. He's married to a different lady now. And... Uh, <laughs> and uh, she's, a, she's a pastor, okay? And, he, and, and he's, you know, musician, you know, worship leader and so forth. But when they got married, he said, I didn't, I told her, I'm not here to, to get in the way of, of your church, but I'm here to propel you. And he said, my wife, she, she, she loves to preach. She studies all the time. But her, where, where she can, um, he, how did he actually say that? Basically, he said, um, there's an anointing on her preaching when she gets, when, when she leaves behind. When she leaves her notes behind and actually brings what's coming up from her heart, then there's, that's where the anointing is. If she gets stuck in her notes, uh, like I do sometimes, then it's, it's, not, it's not quite as good. But uh, that's what David was speaking to here. So, my heart is overflowing with a good theme. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. This is where effective prayer comes from. This is where worship starts to mean It's when it comes from, from within us. So, I have just um, several, several things here about, how, about connecting with our heart, about um, how to get to your heart. We don't want our conversations to just be mental conversations or our worship just to be worshiping out of our mind or our prayers just to be trying to cover the bases, but, but, but a, a hot prayer, a, a prayer that um, is going to do something, it has to, it has to flow from within us. Jesus said, out of, your, out of your innermost being, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. In John 7, we're supposed to live out of our heart. We're supposed to let the spirit man run the show. Kenneth Copeland said that when leadership pressure is put on the mind, eventually it will crack. You can't live long enough and learn enough in this lifetime to always know how to make the right decision and always know, always know what to do. And uh, so this speaks to being baptized in the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit. And in Ephesians chapter 5, it says, Be ye filled with the Spirit. 
it talks about a continual refilling. It's be being filled with the Spirit. Where there's one, there's one initial baptism of the Holy Spirit, many refillings after that. And here's, here's a, good, a good thought, if you can handle it. We've got something on, on these things called airplane mode. You should try it sometime. It's spiritually powerful. You think about it. You just, you just click this little button. You see a little airplane up there in this corner. Nothing goes out. Nothing comes, kind of like the walls of Jericho. They circled the walls, nothing went in, nothing came out. Airplane mode. Um, it takes a while to shut your mind down because you're thinking, okay, who's calling me? Who's texting me? What notification am I missing? What sports scores do I not know about right now? Um, what, uh, what, just, what just happened? Don't tell me I missed something blowing up in the Middle East. It's called unplugging from a noisy world. Think about it. And it, it you know, if we're, if we're supposed to be in love with Jesus, it's almost kind of a romantic thing to lose track of time. If you think about it, if, if a relationship is so special or so important, why not just wander off and lose track of time and say, I'm going to come back to the world a little bit later, but not right now. Um, Jesus would get up early in the morning and go pray. In Mark chapter 1, it says, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out, departed to a solitary place, and there prayed. Although he was the Son of God, he still had to navigate through all the distractions and temptations and problems of this life. And we see him walking, though, in such grace of um, he He wasn't stressed. He knew where he was going to go, what he was going to do, he had already gotten his whole plan from on high right you know, at the beginning of the day, and he just walked it out. Um, there's another verse that speaks to this, Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 15. Thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. Quietness. Waiting upon the Lord, you know, Isaiah 40. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, mount up with wings as eagles, run and not be weary, walk and not faint. Psalm 16, verse uh, 7, says, 
I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. This is why it's a really good idea to do what my wife does every night. She's sitting up in the bed reading her Bible before she goes to sleep every night. But it, when we put the Word of God in our, in our, when we read it late at night, then then that Word is like working within us, and it helps God to turn us the right way. This verse in the King James says um, well here in New King James it says my heart also instructs me in the night seasons the King James calls it reins like the reins on a horse where you can turn the horse one way or the other and um, and then pay attention what's God saying to me when I wake up when we're just coming out of sleep there's many times there will be such clarity because there's nothing else in my mind except just rolling out and going, wow, I can see this, 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 this. I know what order to put them in. I know exactly what to do. Isn't that beautiful? Um, working with the Spirit of God in prayer. There's a a concept, and we're talking about getting to our heart, uh, being more sensitive to the Spirit of God in our own heart, and um, and and living in a way that that um, helps us to maintain that kind of sensitivity. Um, the pastor's wife at our previous church, Lynn Hammond, she would she would talk about praying to pray. In other words, she she would have to go into prayer. And pray for a while just to get down to a place where all the all the surface stuff was out of the way and where she was quiet enough and where she was just um, in a place to really pray about what she need to, needed to be praying about at that time praying praying to pray I mean she might be two hours in before she really gets down to business. In, in taking care of what God needed her to do in, in the spirit that day. Um, our prayer leader, Ken Olson, he was always talking about, about getting to his heart. And um, all, these, all these things are there for us. But um, working with the spirit of God in prayer, you know, is praying with, praying with what we know in our own understanding, in our language, and then, and then shifting gears, right, Annabelle? Shifting gears, right? Clutch, shift, go up, fourth gear, fifth gear. You got this. Um, and praying in the spirit. Things that we don't know. Things that uh, that God has for us. So, so in summary, we've talked about. Um, not being conformed to the world. We've talked about strengthening our heart with the Word of God, choosing our thoughts, not taking thoughts that are, are not of Him, understanding how to cast down thoughts that are not of God, developing spiritual hunger, 
and trying to maintain a level of spiritual hunger. These people that are into fasting, I think they're into something. And uh, that really hasn't been part of my life yet, but it probably should be. <laughs> um, connecting with God, getting to our heart. Amen. Amen. Airplane mode. Remember airplane mode. <laughs>